everyone. Welcome back and thanks for joining this episode of For Your Benefits. I'm Megan Henry, Marketing Director for Century Health, the leading integrated health and well-being management company. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing work-life integration and how organizations can create a positive workplace experience for their employees. No longer are the days of just focusing on work-life balance. It's time to embrace the integrated employee. And there is nobody better to chat with about this topic than HR consultant, Michael Dickerson. Michael specializes in strategies on work-life integration, well-being, mental health, and positive psychology in the workplace. And Michael is no stranger to podcasts. In fact, he has his own, the Spillover Effect podcast. Thanks for having me, Megan. I'm so excited to be on here and just uh, excited to talk about work-life integration. Absolutely. We're so glad to have you. Let's start off. I'd love to hear a little bit more about you and the work that you do. I started off as a social worker, um, working with youth and young adults um, that were experiencing any type of mental illness or substance use. And so I particularly was a school-based social worker where I worked in uh, alternative schools. And so I did that for about five years. And then once I left there, I went and worked for the state of Oklahoma for the Department of Mental Health uh, as a a training specialist to where I uh, did statewide training for all the social workers and uh, licensed therapists in the state of Oklahoma. Um, And I did that for six years. And then uh, two and a half years, I was a manager in terms of uh, uh, providing mental health services for the state of Oklahoma and consulting work to providers and agencies all over the state of Oklahoma. And so my background is in mental health and substance abuse. Uh, I enjoy talking about mental health and well-being. And then um, I started a small consulting a boutique uh, firm that focuses on mental health and well-being for employees in the workplace. Michael, I'd like to sort of set the stage for what we're going to be talking about today. And I, I know that all of us have probably heard of the term work-life balance, but I'm mm-hmm. not as familiar with work-life integration. So talk to me a little bit about what work-life integration is and how it's different from work-life balance. The, the work-life balance um, is really an idea that came out of work-life research. And they they had work-life balance to really uh, help those, uh, specifically what was interesting, women who were going into the workforce in the 1970s. And so they got this idea well, um, because a lot of the the women who were coming into the workforce were uh, single moms or they were just moms in general. Uh, They would have this idea of work-life balance, like there had to be some trade-off between you at work and you uh, at home. And so uh, they came up with this idea of work-life balance. And so that's where we've been hearing for the last 30 years of in the workplace of have work-life balance. Well, the counter um, to work-life balance now has been work-life integration. And what that means is really just thinking about um, the intersection between work and life and really dealing with um, a whole person and not having some trade off of like I'm a I'm a work person, but then I have my life on the other side. What we have really um, come to understand now is that you got to deal with the whole person and who they are. And that's in terms of who they are um, in terms of their role at work and their role outside of work. And that's just one person. You can't separate the two. So that's what work life integration is about. Ultimately, it's about 
um, really organizations dealing with the whole person and not trying to separate two and say, hey, there's a trade-off. You, you're a person at work and then you're a person at home. That's just not necessarily true. And, and if anything, the pandemic has showed us that, you know, you have to deal with the whole person. So that's where work-life integration comes in. Love that idea. So so I'm a mom and, and I'm certainly still a mom when I'm at work and I still am employed and a worker when I'm home too. So I think that's a fantastic way to look at it. And you're right. Work-life balance has been something we've been saying for a long, long time. And I think people are expecting something more than that now. Michael, there's so many life roles that employees have today. Spouse, partner, parent, friend, employee, Mm -hmm. you know, we're all of those things. The list goes on and on. So how does a person successfully manage these different life roles and still work a full-time job? Yeah, that's a good, great question. Because one of the, one of the things um, uh, out of you know work-life research and work-life study is what they call work-life conflict. And so this work-life conflict is the conflict that you have between these roles of being a mom, being a dad, being being a spouse, and then also having uh, your your work role. And so uh, what we have to do is. Uh, a lot of times we say that balance, there, there comes a balance, but I don't like the term balance. I like to say what we have to do is have good boundaries. So you really need to set uh, good boundaries in place in terms of what those roles are. Uh, so, for example, for me, between 6.30 and 8.30, I don't take any emails or any phone calls because my role as being a, a, you know, a husband and also at the time being able to work out, you know, I spend a lot of time talking to my wife in the morning, spend a lot of time making sure that I get my workout in. So I really create a boundary around uh, my time and that role that I'm in. And then once I get to work, there are some boundaries even within the, in, the, in the workplace. And so one of the things that I like to say, we, we uh, that language around balance, we have to get away from and really just create boundaries. And that's going to look different from for different people, especially if you have, have kids, um, especially maybe you might sit on a board or something, or you might be involved in different volunteering um, roles. And so that's going to be different for everybody. But what we have to do is learn to create boundaries and not balance. Because once again, when you say balance, there that means that there's a trade-off somewhere. And um, it's, I just don't think that's a great idea to have. What we need is really good boundaries in our roles mm-hmm. and setting those boundaries and letting letting people know what those boundaries are. Because even at work, we can get extremely overwhelmed. That's because we haven't set any boundaries. Like people are emailing us and texting us and calling us at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And that's just not healthy. So do I have permission to say no <laughs> when uh, I need to? A hundred, a hundred percent. As a parent, that's a hard thing. As as a, an employee, as a coworker, as a volunteer, anything. It's so darn hard to say no. Especially when you are in all these different types of roles. But yeah. it comes back to boundaries because what what will happen is, and um, you really get burnt out. And I know you're going to talk a little bit about stress, but you get stressed. And none of that is good for your well-being at the end of the day. None of that is good. So, you know, having, having, having no... Uh, and saying no is is great uh, because if you don't say no, what happens is you fall into doing too much, and it's just not it's just not healthy for you. It's just not good for your overall well being. So I'm a hundred percent on board. 
with saying with saying no or you know whatever you need to do to, to let people know like here's my boundary and I'm not going to cross it. So yeah, and and Love I think that. what what happens I, you you broke up your kids like people tend to think it's bad because I I'm putting some boundaries around my kids like we all need good self care and if that means like you know, I need to be away from my son or daughter for about an hour just to regroup, then that's okay to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm with you. I do that regularly. I have a 21-year-old daughter who's in college, and then I have a 23-year-old uh, son, a uh, stepson. And so when they were young, uh, I'll tell a lot of times, like, there's just times to where I just needed my own space to just be able to gather my thoughts before I really engaged them as a parent. Yep, yep. I think we got to. We have to do that. So you mentioned stress. I know you've got a mental health background. Talk to me a little bit about how stress of these roles um, impact our well-being and and how we perform at work. Yeah. So stress is so stress is huge because one of the things that you see organizations um, do is they do a lot of stress management, and so I'm really big into uh, stress prevention. <laughs> Uh, because we want to really help people not get to a point to where they feel stressed out. We need to put things in places in terms of how to really help them deal with their mental health and their well-being. Because what happens when you're stressed out, what it does, it overwhelms you. That's what that's all stress is. I feel overwhelmed. Mm. I feel incapable of uh, doing my job. I feel incapable as a role as a parent. I, I don't feel capable as, you know, I'm giving my all or I'm present with my spouse. And so that's what stress does. It overwhelms your system. It overwhelms your brain. It overwhelms you emotionally. It overwhelms you psychologically. And so if you're not dealing with that stress, then it's, it starts to play out in all the other roles. And so um, this is one of the things that I talk about um, when I talk about one of the big things of my podcast is called the spillover effect. And one of the things that I talk about, if you're not having positive emotions um, at work, then what happens is you have a lot of negative emotions like stress and that stuff begins to spill over into your other roles. Right. And so that's why we really yep. need to deal deal with this stress. You know, it's it's, it's hard if I've had a a long day at work, uh, a very hard day at work. It's been a very negative, a negative or toxic environment that I work in. And that stuff tends to flow into your mm. everyday life with your spouse, with your kids, with your family, with your friends. And so I just, I don't think people um, are dealing with the stress well. And then it's not good for your well-being because at the end of the day, for me, well-being is, are you your optimal self? That's what well-being is about. And if you're not your optimal self, then you're not at your best. And what I want you is at your best at work. I want you at your best in terms of dealing with your kids, um, being being a, a great husband or being a great wife. Um, if you sit on a committee, being the best person in terms of giving advice and sitting on a committee, I want you at your most optimal self. So if you're not dealing with your stress and you're feeling overwhelmed all the time, then you're, you're not going to have a good well-being. So um, organizations really need to do they, they do stress management. But I say we need stress prevention. Mm, we need to mm. get, we, need, we really need to focus on. Um, really teaching more organizations and employees how to deal with mental health 
uh, before they get to a point to where they're so stressed out. And then now we have to do interventions. And that's, sure. just, that's just not good. And so uh, stress prevention is, is what I really promote. Right. And and then you've got those folks that may go home and drink a little too much or eat a little too oh. much or whatever. Oh. And then there are other health problems that go along with that. Yes. That they then have to deal with as an organization through their medical benefits or whatever. Yeah. So here's here's the thing. This is good. This is good that you bring that up. There is um, there is more research coming um, down the pike. And is a lot of it that there's a, a, a really good connection between and a correlation between the stress that you feel emotionally and how it affects your physical body. And I've even I've even experienced this where I've had so much stress, like I was having back pain. And I went to three I went mm. to three doctors and asked them, like, I'm having this back pain. What is going on? And at the end of the day, we came to the conclusion like it was just stress. It was nothing that I've done when I was working out. It ultimately was stress. And so there's a big correlation to what you're dealing with in terms of emotional stress and how that impacts uh, your, your, your physical body. And then, of course, um, you talked about the substance use side of it. Like um, you start drinking, uh, you start using marijuana, then you can get into illicit drugs. Like all these things start to impact you if you don't deal with that stress. So stress is uh, extremely important to really uh, try to deal with because it, it can, it can overwhelm you and you just feel like, um, you know, I don't know how to deal with it. So you deal with it in other ways. Right, right. Michael, you mentioned COVID earlier and I know COVID forced a lot of companies to kind of rethink the future of their workplace and, and how they deal with employees. As a consultant, you know, What's your view on there's there's an increase of employees working remotely? Have you seen this to be positive or have a negative effect on on organizations and, and the management and the employees? Yeah, I, I think it's a positive aspect, um, not in terms of COVID, but I think what COVID did. Uh, anytime that you have to rethink things in terms of your organizations, I'm all about because uh, there's a there's a term that people use if if you don't disrupt yourself, you will be disrupted. And so uh, that's just a sign of, okay, we need to think how we do things. And one of the reasons that I say it's a positive because it gave employees more leverage with employers. And so we need, we needed employees to understand like now they have the leverage because they have experience work, work from home and what that looks like and what that flexibility looked like. And on the positive side for employee employers, they have to rethink how they deal with employees. And do we have a, a really positive culture and what that means of how we deal with them going forward? Because here's the thing. All COVID did was accelerate everything. So sure. if you had a five, if you had a five year plan of like, this is our strategic plan for for the next five years, what it did is said, all right, you have this plan in place where I'm going to accelerate everything. So mm. what it has done to organizations, it has accelerated everything to where now we have to rethink what our strategic plan is. And so I think it's a very positive thing because it allows leverage for the employees and it makes the employers also think about their whole um, uh, strategic aspect of how they want to approach business and how ultimately how you want to deal with your employees, because now employees are coming and saying, hey, um, if I don't have this flexibility, I'm not going to work for you. 
And we start we starting to see that. I was I just mm. read something um, with American Airlines. American Airlines are shutting down um, flights because they cannot hire yes. enough uh, flight attendants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they cannot hire flight attendants, and so they have to shut it down. So American Airlines is in that aspect of like we have to rethink how we hire because people are coming in with more leverage. Our employees have more leverage about um, how they how they want to work and when they want to work and how they want to get work done. And so that's just the reality of it. So for, for me, from my perspective and what I'm seeing, it's a positive for both. It's a positive for the employers and it's a positive for the employees because everybody have to rethink. Everybody's getting disrupted. Absolutely. So I think, you know, you've got a lot more, heck of a lot more people working from home. And I think when we're working from home, that line between personal life and work life kind of disappears, or at least it's a little blurrier than it used to be. So whereas if I was in the office, I would work, go into the office, and I would go home at the end of the day. Now I may run to the gym on my lunch break, or I may run some errands on my lunch break when I hadn't done that before. So now that that folks are experiencing that a lot more, what do you think organizations can do to address the need for wanting to be able to do those sorts of things, but also still help the employees excel at their roles, still help them be successful? I mean, it's, it, you know, just working from home doesn't mean that you're not doing a good job. In fact, we've found and it's the studies have shown that people are, are excelling working from 100%. home. So, yeah. so what can organizations do to sort of promote that? Yeah. Um, one of the things I think we have to do is have what I like to say, have some active listening with employees. And then I think you also have to, as an organization, reevaluate what type of industry we in and uh, think about um, how we are going to go forward in terms of dealing with our employees working from home, what type of policies are we going to put in place? Uh, how are we going to strategize to get the best out of them, right? Well-being is about um, being at your optimal self. And how are we going to create that within the organizations? Because organizations right now are, are going to have to deal with uh, people's mental health and well-being. And work from home comes out of that. And so I think you have to really um, do some active listening to your employees because the reality of it is there's no cookie cutter way to deal with this. Everybody is going to have to and go back to that language that we used earlier, rethink how we deal with the work from home and really put policies in place and communicate what those policies are. And I think a lot of it has to do with we need to look at outcomes, too, uh, because that's important. It's not about how many hours you work. It's about how effective and how efficient you can be at your job. Because I know people that can work eight or nine hours a day and get nothing done. And then I know people <laughs> that can work. I know people that can work two or three hours and it seemed like they worked the eight hour shift and they, yep. they are very efficient and effective. So I think what we have to do is what organizations have to think about is how to put in place of how we measure um, productivity and outcomes. And that's what we're seeing because like you just said with the research, we're seeing people are more efficient and more effective at home. Now the challenge is, now the challenge is 
how do we help people have career development and grow within the organization when they're working from home? Because the reality of it is, if I'm not in an office setting, it's hard for people to know how I work when everything is built on relationships in terms of your career development. That's going to be the challenge. Um, So if I want to be a manager or an executive one day, and if I'm not building relationships within my organizations because I'm working from home, like how are we going to be able to do that to know how effective people are and how they really work because they're not building these relationships because they are working from home. And so I think that's going to be one of the challenges. And then the other challenge that I'm also seeing with working from home is how do we make sure that we're not isolating people and we have a lot of loneliness within the workplace. And so there's a lot to go into that, but I think you really have to um, uh, have some compassion, be empathetic, and really listen to what your employees are trying to uh, tell you and really think about um, what industry you're in and what that looks like for our employees to be effective and still hit our bottom line, because I think that's important. Yeah. And and I think with work-life integration, I think there's kind of two sides of the coin there. You know, there are some people that may have difficulty with work-life integration working from home. You know, you've got kids home for the summer. They're coming in and out of the office. You've got to worry about letting your dog out, all of those things. Um, And then you're still trying to get your work done. And so I think there are a lot of folks that may work longer hours or may um, work harder just to prove that they're getting the job done from home. And then I think there are folks who, like you said, may not need to work as many hours but still get the job done. So I think that, that, you know, from personal experience at times for me, I've been working remotely for quite a while before COVID. And that was a very big adjustment for me is having that work-life integration. And that it's hard to unplug at times and it's hard yeah. to just step away from that. And it goes back to asking permission to say no. And, and, you know, yeah. like you said, setting those boundaries and saying, okay, you know, today I will only work till five o'clock and that's it. And and uh, I can only do what I can do. A hundred percent. And I think, too, just to add on to the work-life integration. Um, so work-life integration is sort of going to phase into flexibility. Mm. And what we what we have to look at in terms of flexibility and what that means is um, where. So where people are, are going to be able to get work done, which means Thinking about um, if I'm in a certain state, if I'm doing remote or work from home from a certain state, um, when when people get work done and how they get work done, because each person gets work done differently. Like for for me, I'm a very um, I'm a morning person. So from from about nine to about noon, man, I'm all go. I can get a lot done for some reason after one o'clock. Sometimes I just I tap out, but you. But here's, I'm here's the same. The thing, I Megan. run out of gas. <laughs> yeah, here's 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 what's the interesting, Megan. After, for some reason, after seven o'clock, it's like I get another booth from like seven to like ten. For some yeah. reason, I can I get some more energy, and I'm like, oh, I want to work again. So I'm answering emails, or you know, I'm I'm doing something with my business. And I have another boost of energy. So that's how I get working. Then you got people who work really good at night. Some people, you know, you wonder why you get an email from somebody at midnight because that's when they're working. So it's just a matter of, of flexibility sort of allow, if, if, if you as an organization can do this. And once again, it goes back to 
what industry you're in, what that looks like, what that entails. If you allow people to work from home, it's all about that flexibility and allow them to, uh, you know, think about when, where they get work done, when they get work done, how they get work done, with whom they get work done, if, if that's collaboration. So you got to think about that flexibility piece. Yeah. So, Michael, I'd like to wrap up. That That really ties into my next question. When we look at work-life integration, I, I'd love for you to kind of share with our listeners what successes will they see if they embrace work-life integration and they really allow that flexibility in, in, in as much as they can? What are they going to see out of their employees? What are they going to see for their organization? I, th- I think what you're going to see is you're going to see more loyalty. I think when you allow people to be flexible and you have work-life integration, it allows people to uh, decide how, once again, how they get work done, who they get work done, when they get work done. And there's nothing like having that flex because that's why people are, are saying, you know what, I don't want to work for this organization if they just going to go full go on everybody needs back in the office. Um, I think organizations are going to see uh, people um, really putting a lot of emphasis on spending time with family, which is good for your organization. And so you're going to see, see a lot, a lot of that. Um, You're also going to see um, in terms of organizations being more efficient. I think at the end of the day, what you're going to see, you're going to see some organizations that are just going to, man, they're, they, they get it and they're going to do really well. And they're going to, they're going to be able to recruit the best talent and they're going to go forth and they're going to change the world. And then you're going to see some organizations that don't embrace the work-life integration and the flexibility, and they're going to fall off and they're going to be disrupted and they might not even be um, uh, uh, in the industry or in business anymore. Because at the end of the day, your mental health and your well-being is so important. Being your best self at work and all your other roles in life. I think that was perfectly said. Thank you so much, Michael. We really appreciated having you today, and I've just learned so much from you. Sounds like work-life integration is absolutely something that every organization needs to consider Mm -hmm. to retain and keep fantastic employees. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And I think you're going to hear more. You still hear work-life balance, but I think you're going to start hearing more about work-life integration and how important it is. Thank you so much, Michael. And that wraps up this episode of For Your Benefits. We hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. We'll continue to keep you updated on what's happening in the world of health and well-being. Thanks for joining us.